Good morning. I've been very tempted to I've been very tempted to take all of the shovels and salt buckets uh, to 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 the basement. Um, I was at work and I, I said that as I was walking down the hall. I said, I said, uh, well, I think the worst of it's over. And um, one of the guys walking out, he's about 90 years old, he goes, I hope so. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, isn't that what hope is? Uh, don't we get that a lot uh, with the word hope? Is I hope so is really kind of just a, an excuse of saying it's not going to happen. Um, that's really almost you can translate hope as in there's no chance, but I'm going to I'm throwing this out there. Uh, I, I hope so. Um, you hear people say that. Um, I hope so. Uh, here's hoping. And um, cross your fingers. And all of this seems to me just kind of that hope has hope has kind of graduated to this uh, association with luck, uh, associating with chance. So uh, you're saying there's a chance. Um, I don't think it's a good association. But we have, hope has really been relegated to the state of luck and chance. Um, and since hope is associated with luck, and since the only kind of luck I've ever had is bad luck, uh, you know. someone, once, someone once said that hope as the world typically defines it is a desire for some future occurrence of which one is not assured of attaining. In fact, the ancient world did not even regard hope as a virtue, but only as a temporary illusion. Back in uh, when I was a teenager, when we had the, excuse me, when we had the good Christian music, uh, sorry, uh, Steve Taylor, uh, Steve Taylor came out with a song, Since I Gave Up Hope, I Feel a Lot Better. (laughs) Uh, Beautiful sarcasm. But it is a word, hope is a word that's easily dismissed and disregarded. Uh, it's something for lottery players, something not to be taken seriously. But Hebrews, Hebrews tells us something differently. Hebrews speaks of hope differently. I want to look there now in our passage for today, which is Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verses 13 through 20. One of, the great, one of the greatest passages in the Bible, and we want to look into that today, and I'm going to read it for you. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. This is God's word. When God made his promise to Abraham, we can actually kind of pause there, because when we start talking about Abraham, I get a little nervous. Um, because when we associate uh, hope with Abraham, we understand that there was waiting involved, uh, and quite a lot of waiting, uh, which we're not really big fans of. And so 
Um, hope is something we'd rather have uh, than wait for. So I'm just going to say that right there. But when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose... Mm. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things, which is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope. We have this hope. As an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. The anchor holds within the veil, we sang. Great words. See, the Hebrews speaks of hope differently. It speaks of hope in the category of certainty. Not just a grasping at straws, or associated with luck or chance. But it speaks of certainty. The quality of being reliably reliably true. More specifically, that God and his word to us being reliably true. Regardless of what our circumstances say, regardless of what we find ourselves in in April 7th of 2019... God's word is reliably true, and he is very committed to the unchangeable nature of his purpose for you. What a great picture of hope. God is reliably true in the rug pulled out moments. You ever had the rug pulled out from underneath you? I'm sure many of you have. I know I have have many times. But in the uncertainties of circumstance, in the unreliabilities of life, this is a rug that will not be pulled out. God's unchangeable nature of his purpose. His word is true. His promises are true. Habakkuk uh, in the Old Testament says it this way, really. Though the fig does not blossom and no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of the olives fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exalt the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights. Hope. I love the way Hebrews says the unchangeable nature of his purpose. One person used the illustration of GPS. I kind of like it. We've all gotten very familiar with GPS and sometimes use it as a crutch rather than getting lost and stopping at the local 7-Eleven for directions. It's probably a good thing. 
but that God is like, his, the unchangeable nature of God's purpose is like GPS. And we make a wrong turn, we make a bad decision, we mess up, and all you see on the screen is recalculating. If you hear nothing else today, know that God loves you so much that his word is reliably true and he wants to get you where you need to be no matter what. Hebrews also uses the familiar images of oath and anchor. Again, not normally words we would associate with this chance, luck kind of version of hope. Oath and anchor. Oath is a solemn promise, often invoking a divine witness regarding one's future action or behavior. God, throughout his scripture, both in Abraham's story in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, continues to use the words, I will. I'm not sure what we read into that, but I will means I will. It does not mean I might or perhaps There's no chance there. God's word is reliably true. I I love the image. When we talk about Abraham, we have to talk about the covenant that was made to Abraham um, back in Genesis chapter 15, uh, verse 17. And there's this image, and it's kind of a graphic image, but I will share it with you just because of the you have to understand the, the commitment of God. Concerning you. When you made an oath with someone in the Old Testament, um, you would grab a, uh, an animal, a cow, or a sheep. And again, this is graphic, but you know, we'll try to make it PG if I can. But the, the two people would stand there. The animal was cut in two. And the pieces laid like this. And the two people that made the covenant between each other then walked through the pieces kind of with the idea that if any of us breaks this oath, we shall be like the animal. (laughs) And I know that's graphic and extreme, but it it shows the binding nature of a covenant, a contract, a, a, a oath relationship. In Genesis chapter 15, with Abram, this very thing happened between Abraham and God. And 1517, God's covenant with Abram says, When the sun had set and the darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot, a blazing torch, appeared and passed between the pieces. Now one has said that it was the that was an emblem of the Shekinah or the majesty of God, who afterwards appeared in a pillar of fire before the Israelites in the wilderness after their deliverance out of Egypt, and when their salvation went forth as a lamp that burneth, of which this was a token. This burning lamp passed between the pieces of the heifer, the goat, the ram, that Abram had divided in the midst, as was usually done with covenants made. Like it says in Jeremiah thirty four eighteen. And when the men who transgressed my covenant and did not keep the terms of the covenant that made before me, I will make them like the calf they cut in two and pass between its parts. 
And here God made covenant with Abraham as a confirmation of it between the pieces in a lamp of fire showing that he was and would be the light of salvation for his people. The unchangeable nature of his purpose. God made an oath. He made that oath with you. The anchor, the anchor that holds within the veil. An anchor is a person or a thing that provides stability or confidence in an otherwise uncertain situation. We can talk all day long about storms and, and uh, anchors and boats and all those kind of things, but the, the reality is that most of us live in unstable circumstances. It's the very nature of life whether it's relationships or finances or addictions or frustrations or whatever it is, work situations, family situations, house situations, car situations. What, you could just go on and on and on, but most of us find ourselves in the uncertainty and the frustration of unstable situations. Our passage says that we who have taken refuge may be strongly encouraged. A refuge is a condition or a being safe or sheltered from pursuit, pursuit, danger, or trouble. We have this, we have this hope. We have this hope. Not something we have to hope for. We have it. But we have it as an anchor for our soul. An anchor for our soul in the inexplainable, the frustrating, the uncertainties of our circumstance. When it all doesn't make sense, we have this anchor, this hope as an anchor for our soul. I like the way Psalms 46 says it. It's very common. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, the mountains moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though its mountains tremble as it's swelling, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, the unchangeable nature of his purpose. It's why Paul, it's why Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 can say this. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Isaiah 43 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, when the flames shall not consume you. We need to understand that there is a message that people in Chautauqua County need. And that is, when you pass through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you pass through the fires, you will not be burned. That we don't have to just hope we win the lottery or just, you know, we'll just throw some pixie dust up in the air, but we have this hope as an anchor for the soul that the unchangeable nature of God's purpose is true and reliable and it's for them and it's an anchor for them in the uncertainties of their life and the frustrations of their life in the addictions of their life and the pain of their life and the hurt of their life. God loves them and wants to redeem them and has a wonderful purpose and plan for them. And that is true. 
and it is an anchor for our soul. John Calvin says, For nowhere a haven appears to our eyes, but wherever we look, water alone is in view. Yea, waves also arise and threaten us, but as the anchor is cast through the waters into a dark and unseen place, and while it lies hid there, keeps the vessel beaten by the waves from being overwhelmed, so must our hope be fixed on the invisible God. The author continues, firm and secure. Again, more words. He wants to make sure, he wants to make sure we get this message of the unchangeable nature of God's purpose. So he's used oath and anchor and certainty and now firm and secure. Firm, having a solid, unyielding structure, solidly in place and stable. Secure, fixed or fastened so that as not to give way, become loose or be lost. Not subject to threat, but protected. Jesus has provided us with this living, anchored hope. Meaning he has, it, that Jesus has provided it means that he has made adequate preparation for us. Entered, entered the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. It's that beautiful image the anchor holds within the veil. The Old Testament church of the courtyard and the holy place and then the holy of holies. The courtyard was, was a large welcoming place probably with farm fresh donuts. And then there was the holy place, which was like our sanctuary. And then there was the holy of holies, which is a little room separated by a curtain that the, only the priest could go through. And only the priest could go through there. And the priest had a cowbell and a rope tied around his waist. Because if the priest was in there and it was experienced the heart of God so much that he died, you couldn't go in there to take him out. So you heard him fall dead with a cowbell and you could pull him out with a rope. I'm not making this up. But Luke... The beauty. Jesus has entered. The anchor holds within the veil. Jesus. Luke 23, 45. When he died on the cross. It says, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. The curtain of the temple was torn in two. Only the priest could go in there. Guess what? Not anymore. Not anymore. The anchor holds within the veil. Jesus has provided this living, anchored hope for us. He has provided the way for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 says it perfectly. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, you see this connection between faith and hope? We had faith last week, hope. We have peace with God through, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have, gained, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This hope, not that other Walmart brand of hope, but this hope is something we have. And I think it's... It, it's unfortunate that we don't know that because I think it's some, we feel like it's, this hope is either something that doesn't exist or it's something that we cannot obtain. 
But the unchange, be sure that you know that the unchangeable nature of God's purpose is reliably true. And Jesus has entered on our behalf, on your behalf, and provided a hope for you. This is stemming from the Trinity, not our achievement and not by chance. It's our possession because of his intercession. And so the author is encouraging us, he's encouraging our Abe likeness. <laughs> he's encouraging us to be like Abraham. In our main passage, when it says, after waiting patiently, Abraham had his own instances of poorly waiting and digressing his own GPS in directions that were not God's plan for him with Ishmael and other things. But Abraham has learned, and we need to as well, after waiting patiently, received what was promised. I like Romans, uh, the way Romans kind of revisits the Abraham too. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verses uh, 18 through 21 says, Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded of God had the power to do what he promised. There's this kind of relational connectiveness here uh, with Abraham. This relational connectiveness here. Um, maybe a good time to talk about the anchor line. Um, or maybe that's a way you could bring that image in. The anchor is great, and if it enters behind, enters in the veil and all secure and all of that. But doesn't the anchor really have to be connected to the vessel, right? There's got to be some, got to be some connection there, or the anchor is really no of no value, right? So there's this relational connectedness that we see in Abraham, the man of faith, waiting patiently. There's a relational connectiveness here that's something we are involved in, not detached from. Oath is two people. Covenant is two people. It's a joining. It's a linking. I think Abraham was selected on purpose. How many people could have been used here by the author of Hebrews? How many of the Old Testament people could he picked out to, in this letter to demonstrate? But he picks Abraham. And I think it's important because it, he picks Abraham so that we may be confident in unconfident times. That we may be sure when circumstances are unsure. That's why he picks Abraham. And then Hebrews 6, 11 through 12 tells us, And we want each one of you to show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope to the very end. So that you may not become sluggish, but imitate those who, through faith and patience, have inherited the promises. 
Of course, Hebrews is a letter, and letters are written for a reason. But listen to the wording of Hebrews as you walk through it. In chapter 2, we must pay more careful attention. Chapter 3, verse 8, shares with them the imagery of the Israelites who did not fare well in the desert in the waiting. In 4, verse 14, he says, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Profess. In chapter 11, verse 1, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Abraham envelops the, necess- the necessary link between faith and hope. Kind of a how to live in the not yet. And how do we live in the not yet? We do so by trusting what is already accomplished. And that is what Christ has done on our behalf. Our challenge is to show this same diligence and to seize the hope that is set before us. It says that in verse 18b of our main passage, which says, We who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. Listen, in a, in a society of skeptics and cynics, where the idea of hope doesn't hold much water. May our proper anchoring release us from the anxiety of our condition. And in a world of uncertainty, point people to the reality of hope and remind them of the unchangeable character of his purpose. Amen. Let me pray with you, and then we're going to enter our time of communion. Jesus, thank you that hope is just not a crapshoot. It's not just something we just, you know, cross our fingers and close our eyes and just, you know, reach out to nothing. But your word to us is reliably true, and you have provided the way for us. It is our possession because of your intercession. Thank you that in the unreliabilities of life, your reliable word and actions for us ring true. Thank you that we can be perplexed but not in despair. Thank you that you are a refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Thank you that you are the living hope. Be with each one today, Lord, as they process your word and what your spirit would say to them. Be with us in this time of communion. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.